0: Welcome to the PPM Academy podcast for project, program, and portfolio managers, where we will interview industry experts and discuss current and future trends in the world of project, program, and portfolio management, and how what we do impacts our company's execution culture. I'm Gerald Leonard. Today, we have Dr. Ginger Levin, and she is the author and a senior consultant and educator in project, program, and portfolio management. She specializes in the area of portfolio management, program management, the PMO, mentoring, metrics, change management, and maturity assessments. She is a certified PGMP and PMP, as well as an OMP3 certified professional. Uh, She has also uh, has a se- series of books she's written with Taylor and Francis, uh, which is a subsidiary of Um uh, Dr. Levin provides training and program management for PGMP, PFMP, uh, portfolio management, change management, knowledge management, and is a keynote speaker at conferences throughout the world. Dr. Levin, we're so happy to have you with us again today.
1: Gerald, I certainly appreciate the invitation. And look forward to this conversation.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, to help us out, how did you get started in the field of project, program, and portfolio management?
1: Here is my story. I, was wor- I worked my way through undergraduate and graduate school while working full-time, and had the op, for, and it took 16 years to get the three degrees. Okay. I was really happy when it was done. <laughs> it seemed kind of strange not to study at night, and after it was finished, but it got finished. It was a wonderful experience. So at one point, I was living in the Washington D.C. area, and I expected to get a position as an internship at the Association of American Railroads where I'd worked the previous summer. Right. It did not happen. That's another story. Okay. So I scrambled around because I needed work, and I wanted to it to be a great internship because it was before my senior year in undergraduate school. Right. So I went to the Southern Railway. And it's now called the Norfolk Southern. But at that time, it was headquartered in Washington, D.C. And I had an interview, and it was with a director of what today would be a portfolio management group. Got it. It was called Something Else. And it was a fascinating interview because, one, I realized if I got this job, I was going to learn a lot. However, there was some convincing to do because the director had a Ph.D. in economics from Harvard and hired two interns a summer. And he said to me, I've never hired an intern that did not go to an Ivy League school. Oh wow! So okay. one thinks about favoritism and yep. you think, wow, this is kind of a little bit different. Yep. But anyway, I said to him, I'm sorry I'm not at an Ivy League school, but we could give this a try. And if you do not like me after a month, you can fire me. And if I do not feel I'm making a contribution, I will come to you and quit. So that's how I sort of got started. He took a chance on me, and it was an outstanding opportunity just to see how this group was approaching what the railroad would do in terms of the products and services it would offer. The director reported to the CEO of the railroad with recommendations as to what it was going to do and basically its portfolio, okay. and the other senior-level executives participated. Of course, I never got to go to those meetings, but I was helping out others, in determining what products and services to pursue. Right. So it was a great summer. He did not fire me. I did not quit. And I left thinking, the rest of my life, I will, I will be working in organizations that have that do something similar to this. And in a way, although portfolio management had been around since 1952, It really was not used in a mainstream way as portfolio management, and it was disguised. I never figured out whether Southern disguised it intentionally so others did not know what it was doing, but it took a while for portfolio management to be a term that was used actively throughout the world. However, when I did finish undergraduate school, of course, I found organizations did not have portfolio management in place, but it was a great experience for me because I learned to ask a question such as, well, why are, what, why are we doing this project and how does it fit into the overall organization's strategic objectives? Right. Of course, I was a little bit careful in in, asking this question and made sure that if they thought, well, she shouldn't be asking this question, I could go someplace else rather quickly and find a job. But I learned that it was really important to know how what you were doing fit in to the vision of the organization and its strategic objectives. I learned many organizations lacked a strategic plan. Right. When I was working, for example, later in the fe- I had a federal government career at- for a while, and I was working in the transportation department, and they were they did not have a strategic plan, and I immediately volunteered to be the representative from our group where i was had was working on a very large program to work on this strategic plan, and I thought it would be a good experience. I volunteered so quickly, my manager could not dissuade me, (laughs) but it was a great opportunity. And then I began to see it more and more as I was later in the first ever PMO that was agency-wide at the Federal Aviation Administration. Okay. At that time, a very siloed organization where we were implementing project management throughout the, throughout the FAA and reporting directly to the administrator. A wonderful opportunity. Right. Then, I, after that, I left the federal government, formed a consulting firm with a, with a partner in the D.C. area, And we had the opportunity to help a number of organizations put in portfolio management systems. Okay. And it was fun, and I enjoy doing it today. So I'll let you ask another question.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, as a follow-up, I know um, you and I talked earlier about uh, some work that you had done for the FAA. Is there any unique story or thing that happened while you were at the FAA that was like a highlight in your career or that kind of uh, shed some light in your career why you ended up going uh, as an independent consultant?
1: Well, in a way, yes. I had been working primarily w- in transportation and primarily in railroads. Okay. The previous job, however, that I held was a d- department d- division director for the, in information technology, where we were working in the hazardous materials and pipeline safety part of the Department of Of Department of Transportation. Well, we were the millennials. Okay. (laughs) And as the millennials, then President Reagan decided it was time to have a reduction in force in the federal government. This is determined by seniority, and also IT is always a place that can be outsourced. Right. And so, as the young folks. Others would come by and see our offices and say, "Well, we'll be working here. You'll be out of a job." That was lovely. So <laughs> we, I kind of said to my group, "We are all going to focus on getting a job, and my and we're all going to help one another." So we worked actively, and I was the only person without a job. And I was begin I was at the top of the scale, and I was getting nervous and. Going out every day and putting in resumes and talking with people, finally I got bold and got an appointment with the on the FAA administrator's uh, calendar okay. I don't know how I pulled it off, but it was a it was a great opportunity. And he asked me a question about matrix management and I knew the answer from being in school for nine thousand years. <laughs> so he even said, Well, I don't know, sixteen years this is enough He then said, I'm setting up this PMO. I didn't really know what that meant. Right. And I would like you to be in it, and I said I, be, I was really bold at this stage of the game and said, oh, I'd be delighted to lead it. And he said, no, you're not going to lead it. I'm bringing in a political appointee. Oh, wow. So okay. at this stage of the game, I figured I need – I do not know aviation. Right. I know nothing about it. It was a very small group with four of us reporting to this political appointee who turned out to be wonderful. Right. And so I decided instead I had to learn project management. So the two weeks before I went there, I read everything I could find about it so that at least I could make a contribution to the group. And it was exciting because it was silo-driven. No one really wanted to work together. And then they realized what we were doing was striving to implement a project management methodology that everyone could follow, a scheduling tool that people could use. But also we were reporting into the administrator as to how these projects were going because the upgrade to the nation's airspace system, okay, and there were very very large projects. So what stood out was what he would have periodic stage gate reviews. At one point, the administrator said, "Do we need 50 people in this review in this room to review the status of this program?" and in our group of four, the political appointee had had assigned us to certain programs, but all four of us would try to go to this meeting, and he, made, the administrator, made us all get up to say who we were and why we were there. Right. And then he would say out or in. He got to me, and I got an out, oh, Out wow. I went. Okay. But he was right. One couldn't make a decision decisions with fifty people right. in a room. That was a good lesson learned. Right. There were many lessons learned in trying to make this a silo make it not a silo driven organization. And recognize that people could work together on cross functional teams right. on these large projects. It was fun. Unfortunately it did not last too long because Political appointees come and go, and the the next political appointee to be the administrator dissolved the group. I came left on a Friday. I thought all was well. I came in on a Monday and found out I was now managing 100 people in the International Aviation Organization. Wow. So that was kind of a point to me in saying I've been in the federal government a long time. I'm at the top of the scale do I wish to stay in the federal government for another 20 years, or is it time to chart my own destiny? Right. So I took the chart my own destiny approach, okay. and with a partner set up a consulting firm in the D.C. area where we had a number of interesting projects with commercial and federal government clients and with overseas clients. Okay. Most were a lot of fun. Some were dog work. Consultants are always great at dog work. Right. But it was fun, and I've been now working on my own as an independent consultant and also continuing with a focus only on project management portfolio and program management. When we began the consulting firm, Project management was one of our areas of focus because it was just beginning to come into vogue. Right. So it was fun to see how more and more organizations began to embrace it. And it's fun to see how PMI has grown so much. Right. So I'll let you ask another
0: question. So let me ask you, with all the projects that you've done and rolling out project, program, and portfolio management, I know you've written some books and you've also written uh, tests to uh, for, for folks to get their certifications to help them. Um, culture, the culture of a company, how does that impact the ability for companies to absorb a project, program, or portfolio management process, or even... Implementing major programs and projects or a portfolio in that company, how does the culture of the company impact their ability to do that?
1: I think it's really important if one has top leadership support, as we had at FAA, but that's often not the case. And so if one is in an organization where the top leadership is not supportive, It is up and you realize it is really important to have implement portfolio management. To me, portfolio management is the most important thing to do in this field because we have to make sure we are selecting the right projects and programs and operational work to continue and we are not just letting people do whatever they want right. everything needs a business case every everything needs a review to ensure that this is something we need to do and then we need to prioritize because we lack the resources to do everything we want so assume you realize portfolio management is great. You join an organization where it is not in place. My advice then is wherever you are working, you try to do it. If you're a program manager, it's sort of easy because you're a mini portfolio manager and you're deciding the projects to be in the program as well as the operational work. And you can then use your program experience to demonstrate to your manager how you've applied portfolio management. Otherwise, if you are not managing a program, I'd be there for a little while and I'd do an excellent job, I would hope. And then I would go to the manager and strive to talk about portfolio management and why it is important Maybe do a lunch and learn type session or a webinar for people, but to get the manager where you are working on board and try to do it as a pilot and then take it further up the chain. Now, hopefully it's coming from the top, but typically to me, it's coming from the middle and out. Because we're the people who really are into this. We are the PMI members. We may have these advanced certifications, but we're working in this field. We love it. And it takes a while for places that are not into this field and are silo driven to recognize how important it is. Right. So, this is my advice as to how I would start. I would not start with saying we need to go out and acquire this specific tool. We do not want to acquire a tool until we have top support. We've determined how we're going to prioritize the work that is going to be done in the organization. And then we go out and find a tool to help us in this prioritization work. Right. Do not choose the tool first.
0: Correct. I I totally agree with you. And that's uh you know, a lot of companies make that mistake as trying to figure out how to replace a homegrown solution with another COTS product or tool when they haven't even really developed or figured out one where are they on the maturity scale. Do they have all the right processes in place? Are they do they have the methodology in place and do they understand what they really, what their real needs are compared to just trying to integrate some new solution that may be the latest thing that everyone's going after, but may not be the right thing for them?
1: Absolutely, Gerald. You have to see what is the right thing for the specific organization. Just as projects are temporary and unique undertakings, each organization is unique in its own special way. However, competition today is greater than ever before. Right. And I was tracking, I've been tracking work done by IBM and I know they are struggling a bit, but I was impressed by the work Virginia Rometti was doing in customer centricity okay. and she was inviting customers to sit on portfolio review boards and also on program review boards at stage gate reviews. And I think this is important because she was gauging the customers views as to RVs, the products and services IBM should be offering. And Of course, I'm sure these folks were not involved when it got got down to budget and the like. But nonetheless, we have to see what our customers want and basically anticipate the customer's needs so that we can go to the customer. We've been, of course, working there for a while, and we can say, we've gotten to know your organization. And we think, have you considered doing Project X. And we then have some data and some metrics to show them why doing Project X would be a great benefit for their own customers and end users. And we then become someone they trust. It works. And we get into this focus on trying hard to anticipate the customers' needs. Right. So let's assume you have you're working in an organization and we'll just use the number a hundred as an example. Okay. And you have a hundred customers. Now, do you treat all one hundred equally? My suggestion is you do not. You want to be treating them all with complete and utter respect and you want to complete your work as promised, but you really need to focus on those top 20 customers that are key in the marketplace. Right. So for these top 20, you are working hard to anticipate their needs. You are considering inviting them to sit on boards, meeting with them, asking them, where you think the direction should be for your company to help them. And I feel this is essential to work really in this customer-centric environment as much as we can because as things and technology is changing so quickly. Yes. If not, we're out of business or we do not have the talent to keep up And if we're working on a product, we have to get it out to market as quickly as possible before the competition and before what we're doing is obsolete. And it's a fascinating time to be working. And I am really happy personally to see how project management has evolved. And many projects, of course, many organizations, of course, remain silo-based, but many are also seeing the value of becoming project-based.
0: Right, right. You know, this morning I was having breakfast with a with a colleague that I met at a networking event, and we started having a discussion around portfolio management and what they call um, either safe or large-scale scrum, which basically is the concept of agile project management, or agile portfolio management, but the agile mindset at the portfolio level. Have you seen that becoming more of a trend these days, or is that something that you're hearing about?
1: Um, I think the word agile ha- is being used constantly. Of course, I've not seen Pinbox 6, but it seems as if it is going to be emphasizing agile. On the other hand, I've worked for a long time, and agile to me means being able to react quickly to changes right. and to be able to then redirect as much as possible. Looking at organizations where I've either worked or been a consultant, the ones that have been the leaders have always been able to do this. Okay, It just is sort of a new term right. for something that's been around for a long time. It is a good thing, though, because people are focusing on the fact that we have to be agile, we have to make changes, we cannot be doing same old, same old, and continue to survive. And for example, I did some consulting work at an aerospace company, and it had a, a, some unique avionics projects that it had, was well known for and had been selling for years to the giant aircraft companies throughout the world. Okay. However, the people were getting old. They were no longer young folks. They were older than me. And the founder came in every day, and he was in his 90s.
2: Wow. And okay. then
1: they realized, wow, we've got to get moving in other directions. Right. And one of the aerospace companies asked them about being a subcontractor. And this meant they had to bring in younger people, folks who could really could write the software. And then they had to manage it in a different way because it was not the usual product with some new technology add-ons. And they needed new people then who understood how to work in this fast-changing environment and also how to work in a software environment that was different than ever before. They did it. So the point is – it's been around, it's, but it's great that everyone's talking about it. And we used to do it in software when I began working in software. And it was interesting the other day to read that everyone should take a programming. Someone, read, someone wrote that everyone should take a programming class while they are at least in high school and okay. definitely in college. Yes. And I thought this was interesting. I was in the early days of programming. It did help me. It helped me to think in a logical, critical way. But when I was doing IT-type work, the customers were so happy to get anything, and it was not, they were not as involved as they are today. This is why Agile is a great thing to me and Scrum okay. for IT type projects. And it was fun when I was doing it because whatever we gave them, they loved. Right. And then they might come back later and say, well, could you add this? And exactly. We'd say, sure.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, listen. So this it's is, been
1: fun to see it evolve.
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's definitely a trend that is here to stay and it's going to continue to grow. Well, as we get to wrap this up, and I thank you so much for all of the great wisdom that you've provided, uh, what's one tip or strategy would you give someone if they were looking to grow in their career as a portfolio manager?
1: I would learn as much about it as I could. I would study what I would sort of benchmark what other organizations were doing that were similar to mine or. I would look at organizations that, were, that are project-based okay. and see how they are handling portfolio management. I'd read as much as I could about it. I would have in mind a certain way I would want to do the prioritization. That's the key in right. the methodology, how often people would get involved to reprioritize. I would want to publish what the top 100 projects or whatever top 50 in the organization were so someone could see, well, I'm working on the top 15 projects in my organization. This is important. People need to know the value of their work to the organization. So if I were starting out, I would want to get as quickly as possible into portfolio management. It is here to stay. We have to focus on doing the right projects, programs, and operational work we lack the resources to do whatever one thinks is best.
0: Correct. I totally agree with you. Ginger, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And if our listeners want to learn more about you, where should they go?
1: Uh, go to LinkedIn. I'm okay. really ha- I'm really active on LinkedIn and I lo- I look forward to connecting to your listeners and they can easily send me notes on LinkedIn. And, Gerald, it's been a distinct pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: You're so, so welcome. And thank you for, for uh, providing us with, again, your wisdom and your insight and just your years of experience.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Love. Bye now. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.